We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Daniel, the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time going back over Daniel because I did that in the last two, uh, two messages. You can go on our podcast, our YouTube, any of those, and uh, watch those and get kind of a, all of the recap of everything that we have that's going on. But the book is written about a, a guy who's about 15, 16 years old, him and his three friends right at the beginning of the book. They've been um, captive uh, out of Jerusalem. They were going to Jerusalem High School, got captive out of that, got brought 500 miles to a city called Babylon, which was a pagan city that did not, of course, in any way serve God uh, or our God. They served many gods, by the way, but they didn't serve our gods. Three of these guys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with their best friend Daniel, uh, got instituted into the Babylonian culture and the education, and they rose into fame. God honored them for honoring him. You read all about it in in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2, but we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 today. If you want to, if you got your your Bibles or if you got your notes, if you got your notes, wave them at me. If you got them, are you you there? Okay, come on. Grab some, take some with us, and those who are joining us online, you can follow along. we got this nice, beautiful teaching screen here that you can follow along with us. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. We're going to read two different passages of Scripture. We're going to read Daniel 3, 1 through 6, and then we're going to read 1 Peter 1, verse 7, and you'll see why I've got both of these verses uh, together. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar, we like to call him King Neb around here. King Neb made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, to the officials, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. Okay, so he's called all the who's who of everybody to come. And so all these officials came, and they stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had what? That King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Here's the king's command. His command is this. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, anybody played a zither lately? No zithers in here? Oh, man, I was hoping to get one on the worship team. Okay. Um, (laughs) Horns, the flutes, the zithers, the lyres. Any lyre? No, okay, we're not going there. That's too easy. (laughs) Harps, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground and what? What does it say? Worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey would immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Okay, that's Daniel 3, 1 through 6. Now go with me to New Testament. We're going to go to 1 Peter 1, 7. 1 Peter 1, 7, and this is what it says. These trials will show that you're what? That your faith is genuine. Okay, it is being, everybody say this word. Come on, let's say it again. It is being, one more time, tested as fire, test and purifies gold, through your, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So, when your faith remains, what? Strong. Strong through many trials, it will bring to you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we do thank you for this incredibly beautiful weather that we are, um, we are enjoying today. Lord, we thank you for... 
the fact that we were up this morning, we're here in your house, and we're here in your presence. And so we invite you to come, and um, would you make your word alive and active as it is, but God, I pray that uh, what you would want to be said would be said, that you would give us ears to hear what you are speaking to your church. God, I pray, Lord, against any distractions this morning that would want to distract us from what you have for us. We want to encounter you this morning. We want to hear from you this morning. We want to be changed by you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. amen. There was a New York Times article that came out a while back about uh, Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab CEO, Walt Bettinger, this was his name, Walt Bettinger, had a way of vetting high executive that he was hiring onto his team. So anybody that was going to be in a very high executive role of Charles Schwab, he had this very unique way of vetting if he would hire them or not. He wouldn't just sit with them in his office and just ask questions and go through that. He would invite them to a breakfast or to a lunch or to a dinner. He'd invite them to some meal at some restaurant. He would intentionally get to the restaurant 35 to 45 minutes before the other person was to get to the restaurant. And he was to go, and as he sits down at his table and waits for the waiter or waitress to come, when they get to his table, he looks at them and he says, I need to ask you a very high favor. He says, this is what I want you to do. I have someone that's coming to the restaurant with me, and they're going to order. I want you to mess up their order. I want you to intentionally get it wrong. I want it to be cold. I want it to be wrong. I want it to be too salty. I want there to be issues with it. This person, I want you to do that. If you do that for me, I will tip you very, very, very well. So sure enough, uh, the person would come, this potential high executive would come and would sit down and, and order whatever they were ordering, fish or whatever, steak. And then sure enough, this waitress or waiter would come out and bring out something that was absolutely the wrong order. Intentionally on purpose. Now, this person, of course, didn't know that that was the case. And uh, what and how that person responded determined if he would hire them or not. How they responded when things didn't go as planned determined more about this person's character than when everything went right. And so he began to institute this as what he called the Schwab test, the Schwab test. And how many know a great way to test someone's characters to see how they react when things don't go as planned? It's one thing to, to be a certain way when all is going well. It's a whole nother thing when everything doesn't go well. And you find out the true character and the true um, uh, integrity of a person when they are under pressure, when they are under distress. And so he was, this was his way of testing his high executives that he was going to, to hire. Tests. We don't prefer, really. I don't know about y'all, but whenever I was in elementary and high school, the most dreaded words that I ever heard was, put your stuff away, pull out a piece of paper, and a pen. It's test time. How many knew that? That just anxiety rose up inside of you. You're like, what in the world? I don't know if you are, are much like me. I usually was not the best test taker. I could ace quizzes like nobody's business. Tests, though? We're a whole nother ball game. There was just a whole nother level of pressure that came when tests came. But tests are designed to show what you know. Tests are designed to reveal 
who you are. And just as much as we have tests in the educational system and tests maybe in the business world to determine if you would be a good employee or not, how many know God also allows us to go through tests? And according to 1 Peter, we just saw just a minute ago that we can be tested through fire, much like gold is tested to determine the uh, quality of the gold. Our faith also will be tested. And the prayer that God has for us is that our faith would remain strong. It would remain strong. And so today in Daniel chapter 3, we're going to find out three guys that their faith is about to get tested. Now, before we go any further, I want to just put out what I believe is probably the big idea today, and that is this, that a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Until a faith is tested, a faith can never really be trusted. Until you actually put it to the test, can you really trust that it's actually going to be there when the hardship goes? And today we're going to look at three teenage boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to look at how they went through a test. Now, you've got to remember, if you were here last week, how many were here last week? Last week in, in Daniel chapter 2, we looked at King Nebuchadnezzar when he had a dream. And, and, and how do you remember what the dream was about? There was a dream. He had a dream, and the dream was of, of something. Remember, anybody remember what it was? It was, a, it was a statue. That's exactly right. He dreamt of a statue, and, and he dreamt of a statue, and the statue looked very odd because it was broken up into four different pieces of the statue, and he said that the top of the statue was made of gold. It was made of gold, and, and, and that gold was the head, and then it was bronze, and then it was iron, and there was all these different things. And, and the dream was that, that you, the interpretation that Daniel gave was, was King Neb, you're this statue, you're the head, but there's going to come a day where there's going to be another kingdom that takes you out. Now notice, watch. So that's Daniel chapter 2. Here we are, Daniel chapter 3. We're not quite sure what the duration of time frame is. We don't know if it's 5 years, 10 years, 1 year, 20 years. Just know that there's a duration of time that happens between Daniel 2 and Daniel chapter 3. And God warns, Dan, God warns King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2, hey, watch out. Watch out. You are the head, but you're going to be taken out. And here we are in Daniel chapter 3, and what does he build? A statue. And I don't know if you saw this. Just a minute, we just read this just a minute ago, but this isn't just any normal statue. This statue is 90 feet tall, and it is a statue of who? Himself. Watch this. And it's made of 100% gold. Not just the top. The whole thing is made up of gold, as if he is saying, listen, nobody going to take me out. He not only made a statue, he made a statue of himself, and then he made a statue of himself out of gold. And then on top of that, he says, okay, now what we're going to do is I'm going to issue and mandate that every single person bows down to me. And so here we are in this moment, and in one day... He gathers all of these high officials, he gathers all of the people, all the nations, all the languages, and he issues out this edict that if you don't bow to me, you're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. And so sure enough, that day comes and, and all of the music starts, starts happening, all right? You got the zithers going, okay? You got the liars Zither, zithers and liars are all playing, flutes, I mean, everything starts playing, and all of these people begin to bow 
except for three. Except for three. Three teenage boys who courageously stand when everybody else is bowing. And this, I think, is not only a true story, but it is a story that I believe speaks more to us today than we even realize. That we are in a culture and a time frame because, remember, this series is all about how do we thrive in a place that's not our home when everybody in our home is bowing down to idols What does it look like for us to take a stand instead of bowing? Now you go, well, Pastor Josh, I don't bow down to any idols. Well, maybe you don't bow down to any golden statues. Hopefully nobody has golden statues of yourself in your house. Probably not many of you have bowed down to many statues lately, but an idol is anything that we put over God. Anything that could be a good thing, but we make it a God thing becomes an idol. And so literally anything in our life can become an idol very quickly. And so we can, we can bow down to money. We can bow down to our jobs. We can bow down to relationships. We can bow down to pleasure. We can bow down to so many things. We can bow down to football and to Netflix and to so many other things in our life that we give preference to over God. So, yeah, maybe not bowing down to idols. But we may be bowing down to things we don't, we don't realize that we are. But how many know no one is worthy of worship more than God is? He is the only one that's worthy. And so today, I, wanna, I, I just really have two points. That's it. I'm making it very simple today. And I'm titling today's message, Furnace Faith. Furnace Faith. These guys knew what was going to happen if they did not bow, and yet they chose to stand in this moment. And I'm going to just give us two thoughts today as we read through Daniel 3, two thoughts of what it takes to have furnace faith. And the first thing is this, is that it takes courageous conviction. Courageous conviction. What I mean by that is, as I said earlier, conviction is not something that you develop in the moment of the testing. Conviction is something that you have to have before the test shows up. There is conviction that you have to have inside of your heart. And we're going to read in verse 12 and in verse 16. I want you to see what happens here. So these guys are standing and all of the Chaldeans and all of the the wise men and all of those, they go to the king and they kind of tattletale. Hey, 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 uh, king, uh, listen, we got three guys. They kind of want to do their own thing. Uh, They don't want to. Look what it says in verse 12. But there are some Jews... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom, whom you've put in charge, just want to let you know, you put these guys in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. Look, look what the next verse says. And look what they do. They, they refuse to serve your gods, and what? And they do not worship the gold statue that you've set up. This is what they have. They said, no, 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 we're not serving this gods, and we're not worshiping you. That's not happening. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied... Okay, so I want you to see what happens here because, because the king actually gives them a second offer. says, okay, I'm going to give you another chance, guys. This is your one last chance. If you don't do it, I'm going to throw you in. And, and, and they respond to King Nebuchadnezzar when he gives them a second chance. And they say, oh, Nebi, listen, um, we don't, we, listen, the reason why I think they would say that is because, hey, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. I don't need to defend myself. I have these courageous convictions that are inside of me. Imagine for for just a moment three teenage boys 
staring in the face of, a, of the king, which just to be in the presence of a king is a big deal, and then, and then to say what you say to the king, to his face. We don't need to defend ourselves, and we ain't serving you or any other gods. And, and knowing in this moment what could happen. But can we be honest for a moment? It would have been way easier just to compromise just a little. Right? I mean, it would have been easy to be like when the, when the, when the zither and the flutes and all that started happening, and as people start bowing, that they would have been like a, you know, like a little, like a fake, like, God, I'm not going to go all the way. I'm going to just go like halfway, you know. Like, they could have done that. They could have. They could have just bowed and said, you know what, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm just going to ask for forgiveness. Because that's what most people do, right? I'm going to do it and then I'll just ask for forgiveness tomorrow. I'll just deal with the guilt tomorrow. So I'm going to just do whatever I want tonight and then tomorrow. God's, God's a forgiving, loving God, right? So I'll just do whatever I want to do tonight and then I'll just wake up tomorrow and he'll forgive me. They could have done that. And yet they chose to stand their ground in this moment. And they said, no, 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 we're not going to worship you. We're not going to serve you. We don't need to defend ourselves. This is, this is what we can do. Now, and I hear this all the time. Maybe you've heard this from your kids. And here's, here's the big, big thing you hear all the time. Well, everybody's doing it. How many of y'all heard that one before? How many of y'all had to tell your kids, but you ain't? <laughs> well, everybody gets one of these. Well, you don't. And everybody does this. Well, that's not how we are. And, and, and the truth is, in our culture, there may be the case that there is more majority. Unfortunately, it's happening now that the majority are leaning towards a cultural Christianity than they are a Christ-centered Christianity. And a cultural Christianity is becoming a majority. And so you hear, well, everybody's doing it. Everybody's saying yes to it. Everybody's accepting it. Not everybody. Not everybody. Hey, listen, maybe your business partner wants you to fudge on some things, but you know that if you stand up and you say something, it could potentially get you fired. But you would rather do what's right than what's popular. Or maybe you're a teenager or a college student and everybody's going out partying and everybody's doing it, but you realize that if you stand up and say, I'm not doing that, that you may be ridiculed. But listen, not everybody's got to do it. Everybody may be drinking, but not everybody has to. Everybody may be forging, everybody may be lying, everybody may be complaining, but not everybody has to. Are we going to be a people who have courageous convictions that says, you know, when something is going against what I believe that God has called me to do, that I stand up for this. And here we are, we have three teenage boys that are not willing to bow down because they feared God more than they feared man. And we live in a society where people fear man more than they fear God. We're more upset about upsetting people than we are about upsetting God. These guys live for the audience of one. They said, I'm going to look for him. Now, you need to understand something about this, though. It wasn't their faith in God that caused the problem. That's actually not what got them in, the, got, got them, um, in, the, in, the, in front of the king. It wasn't that they loved God that got them in front of the king. It was the fact that they refused to bow and refuse to worship the idols that got them in front of the king. Hey, listen to me. You'll never get in trouble for loving Jesus. You're just going to get in trouble when you don't bow when culture tells you to bow. 
It's not an issue of if you love Jesus or not. Listen, when you're going to have the issue is when you make a statement that says this, no person can be saved except under the one name of Jesus that can only get you to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. He is the way. Listen, it's, they're fine if you say there is a way and a truth and everybody gets to God and that's all good. But the moment you say there is one way and there is one God and there is one Jesus who gets you there, now they don't like you. Now is the moment that he alone is the one who rules. He is the one who has the right to say what we do and don't do. The good old theologian, Oprah Winfrey, (laughs) said it this way. Now watch. This is how it seeps in. There are certainly many more paths to God other than Christianity. I'm a free-thinking Christian. Oh, my God who believes in in my way, but with six billion people here on the planet, it can't possibly be the only way. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, Oprah Winfrey, there is only one way. It is the only way, and it is through Jesus and Jesus alone. If there are more than one ways, then how cruel is God the Father that he sent his one and only son to be crucified on a cross if there was other ways to get to heaven than through Jesus? That's the greatest child abuse there ever was if there's other ways. True? God's like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You know, Jesus was good, but if you got other options, just be a really good Christian. Just be a really good person. Just try to not do bad things. And the moment... In this, in, in this moment, these guys are going, no, 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 there's, there's only one God that we're going to serve. Everybody else is serving multiple gods, but we're going to serve one God. Listen, our culture says it's fine to worship Jesus just as long as you bow when they tell you to bow. You can worship Jesus all day long, but just as long as you bow when they tell you to bow. For the followers of Jesus, though, how many know this is not an option? We, we'll say this all the time. Jesus is the Lord of all, or he's what? Not Lord at all. Like, there's no options. Lindsay and I just got back from Colorado this past week, and, and um, which, by the way, Joel got a great report. Just wanted to say that. We're grateful for that. On the flip side of that, I got here to the church, and he has a massive migraine this morning, and so we had to rush back and take care of that. So both sides of the coin. But um, so when we, get to the, when we get to the airport, uh, you know, I rented a rental car. And so I, I don't know about y'all. This brother's cheap. I'm just letting y'all know right now. I'm, I'm just cheap. I'm going to find the cheapest, the best deal. I'm a deal, I'm a deal finder, okay? I'm going to find it. Anybody in here? Okay. If you're not, come hang out with me. I'll get you. Okay, I'll help you out. And so I went and I got this, uh, I, I got this car. It was like $52 a day. I mean, it was like the cheapest one. It, it met all of our needs. It was perfect for what we needed. So I get to the, you know, you get to the car um, rental company and, and they get there, and the lady was like, hey, Mr. Bell, glad you're here. Um, what are you here for? We were talking, all that stuff. And she was like, okay, um, I see that you rented, you know, a midsize car. Yes, ma'am, I did. And she said, um, would, you like, um, would you like a Tesla? I said, man, I would love a Tesla, yeah. Um, does that come with it? She was like, oh, no. I mean, that's, you know, that would be extra. No, I don't, I don't need a Tesla. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. She's like, would you like a Range Rover? Yeah, that, I would love a Range Rover. Does that come with that? No, that would be a little bit more too. I said, no, then I don't want that. She said, okay, well, with your mid-sized car, um, would you like to prepay for the fuel? Would you like to pay, would you like to pay for the fuel? Um, I was like, well, 
if I pay for it, do do y'all charge me? No, no, that's fine. Okay, then I don't want that. She's like, would you like the very overpriced, expensive insurance that we put on this car that covers nothing? No, I'm good with that one as well. You can go ahead and take that one off. I I mean, they want to add. How many know they want to just keep adding different options on there? More than this and this and this and this. And I walked away from there, and I took nothing. I said, I've I've got all that covered. It's fine. Take my little $52 a day. I'm good. And um, I walked out of there, and Lindsay was like, what was what, what?" What was that all about? And like, oh, they just want to upsell me on a bunch of stuff. They just want to add all these different options that come. And how many know with Christianity, we can often want to pick and choose the options that we have. But how many know when you say yes to Jesus, you get all that he has. You don't get to pick and choose. You get everything. And in this moment, these guys know that we have surrendered our hearts to the Lord. And we have a courageous confession that says that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We will not bow to anyone or anything. And God is calling us in this time with courage when the majority are bowing in compromise for us to stand in courage. Courage is an essential quality for those who want to shine in Babylon. Your faith is going to be tested. If it hasn't been tested yet, it will be tested. I have so much, so much um, passion for our our next generation for our young adults and for our high schoolers because their faith is getting tested every day whether you know it or not. It's getting tested. Your faith is probably getting tested, especially if you work in some kind of secular job, which majority of us all work in secular jobs and depending on where you work and the type of people that you work in, your faith is probably being tested. Are you going to joke around with the same kind of nasty jokes that all the other guys joke around with? Or are you going to be different? Remember we said last year that if you want to make a difference, you got to be willing to be different. But I'm going to say this. If you're going to be willing to be different, you got to also come with, a, with the price that, that that comes with. It comes with criticism. It comes with, with neglect. It comes with isolation at times. And people say things about us, but we, we do things with, with integrity. We do things with honor. We do things with joy. This is what God has called us. We have courageous confession in what we do. The second thing is if you want to have a furnace faith is you need to have courageous confession. You need to have a courageous conviction and you need to have a courageous confession. Look what, look what it says in verse 17. And this is kind of the, the, the pinnacle of this whole chapter is right here in 17 and in 18. This is the one, if you probably have ever read Daniel chapter 3, this is probably the one that you focused in on. Because as soon as uh, they make this declaration, it gets, it gets a whole lot bigger. Because they said this. Right after they had said that we don't need to defend ourselves with you, they make this statement. And if... We are thrown into the blazing furnace. The God whom we serve, everybody help me with this, is what? Is able to save us and he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. So they still were, had some honor in what they did. But even if he doesn't, everybody say that again. But even if he doesn't, come on one more time. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that we have set up. All right, everybody say these three lines with me. Ready? Everybody say this after me. Say, I believe that God can. I expect that he will. I trust him if he doesn't. Come on, let's say it again. I believe that God can. I expect that he will. I trust him if he doesn't. 
This is really the pinnacle of the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this moment are these three truths right here. You've got to have these anchored down in your soul no matter what you're going through, no matter what season you're in. I believe that God can. I expect that he will, and I trust him even if he doesn't. Let's go with the first one. I believe that God can. How many of you believe that God is bigger than any problem that you face? Come on now, I got any people in here believe that God is bigger, he's mightier, he's stronger, he's more powerful, he's more powerful than disease, he's more powerful than debt, he is bigger than frustrations, he's bigger than depression, he's greater than addictions, he can break things off in our lives. God is bigger than anything that we face in our lives, and if we believe that he's bigger, then we believe that he can. We believe that he can. If God is omnipotent, meaning he has all power, and he's omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing, and he's omnipresent, meaning he's always with me, no matter what I go through, I believe that he can. And I'm going to tell you, here's where the enemy works. You ready? The enemy works in getting you to doubt that one right there, that God can't, that somehow, some way, that there's something in your life that's bigger than what God can do. But I am grateful that the grace of God is greater than any sin that I could ever cause, every sin that I could ever do. He's greater than anything that I could ever face. I believe that he can. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I believe that he can. I believe that he can. Let's go. Number two, I expect that he will. Question, how did they know that? So we get the beauty of knowing how the story goes. You know, they didn't get the previews. We got it. We've got to see how this whole story has played out. They didn't know how this was going to turn out. Question, was there any moment where God was like, hey, guys, psh, come over here. Psh, I got this. We good. Don't worry about it. Go boldly before the king. Like none of that ever happened. There was no word from God. There was no promise from God. And can I tell you a secret? Most of the great people of faith in the Bible went on an element of I expect that he will. Majority of the people that stepped out in faith went with an I expect that he will. I believe that he can, and I expect that he will. Let me tell you a story. This is a story where the Philistines were oppressing the children of Israel, oppressing them to the point of despair, and they had actually stolen all of the swords from the children of Israel. They had no weapons whatsoever except for one. And the one guy who had the weapon was a guy by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan had a sword. Jonathan and his armor bearer, and uh, there's a moment that, that we have where Jonathan has this kind of holy, righteous anger, this like faith that rises up inside of him, and he's like, we're gonna go attack the army. Now, they were up on a cliff, so they were gonna climb a cliff, and there were 20 Philistine soldiers, all with swords, up there, and him and his armor bearer. And so his armor bearer looks at him and says, okay, what do you wanna do? Now look with me, watch, watch this, 1 Samuel chapter 14. Let me see if this breeds some encouragement in you. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan stood, said to his armor bearer, 
Everybody say this, these with me. And perhaps the Lord will help us. Wait, wait, come again. Perhaps the Lord will help us. I don't know. If I'm the armor bearer and I don't have a sword, I need a little bit more than perhaps. Perhaps God will do something here. You know what perhaps means? Perhaps he won't. <laughs> yeah, that's a perhaps. Perhaps he will. For nothing can hinder the Lord. This is the, I believe that he can. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Perhaps he will. And if you know the story, he does. They go up there, and, and, and God does show up in this moment. But if I'm an armor bearer, I, 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 I need more than a perhaps. I need a, like, the Lord told me, he came to me in a dream last night and said, let's go. Like, I need, I feel like I need those type of words in this moment. But if you think about most of the miracles of Jesus, you think about all of the times that we see in the New Testament, it was people who came to Jesus without a promise or without a plan, and they took a dare on the goodness of God. You think about the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't know what would happen. All she knew is if I touch Jesus, perhaps he can heal me. If I just get to him, perhaps, and you see this all throughout scripture, men and women that stepped out and took risk and just said, perhaps God is in this moment, and we're going to just take a dare and believe that God is able and that God can, and I'm going to just step and just trust the Lord in this moment that he's going to do this. And I wonder how many people in this room that God is asking you to take a dare on him, maybe reaching out to share your faith at work or at school, maybe taking a courageous stand at work, even though it may cost you big in the short run. Maybe if you serve in, in, in politics, standing up for what is right, but knowing that the media is gonna come after you and maybe even your own party will throw you under the bus. Maybe it's persevering in prayer, believing God's goodness will break through. Maybe it's submitting an application for a job or for, or for something big in your life that you know God's been telling you to do, but it's been so scary but perhaps God is in it. Maybe choosing to press on in a marriage even though it's difficult. Maybe it's calling that estranged family member and asking for forgiveness, not knowing how they will respond on the other side. Maybe it's stepping out and starting something God has put on your heart. We believe that God can. We expect that he will. What, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What, what if I've been believing for something for so long and he doesn't do it? What if I'm believing God for healing and they die? What if I'm believing God to bring back a kid and it seems like they are running further and further away from God? What if I'm believing that God frees of the addiction? It seems like it's getting more and more and more. Pastor Josh, what do I do then? What do I do when what I've prayed for for so long doesn't happen the way that I want it to happen or the way that I expect God to do it. What do I do then? And if we're all honest in this room, we have to say that that is a reality. That happens constantly. How many of you believed for a job, you stepped out for the job and you didn't get the job? How many of you believe for a healing and you didn't see the healing happen? How many of you believe for God to show up in a certain way and it didn't show up in that way? And that, of course, leads us to the third one, which is that I'll trust him even if he doesn't. I'm going to trust him even if he doesn't. I believe that he can, and I expect that he will. 
but I'm, I'm going to trust him even if he doesn't. And what, he, what, what the, the, um, the three Hebrew boys are saying in this moment, this is what they are declaring to King Nebuchadnezzar, that we would rather die in the flames with just God than to live in a palace with you. They believed that God was not only big enough to protect them from King Nebuchadnezzar, but they believed that God was better than anything King Nebuchadnezzar could ever give them. Let me put it this way. Furnace faith believes that not only God is bigger than the opposition, he's better. He's not only bigger, he's better. He's not only bigger, he's better. What do I mean by that? That even if God doesn't do what I want him to do, he's still better. He's still better. He's not, this isn't better. I, I want God's will, I want God's plan, and if God's plan is different than my plan, I'm gonna trust that God is better. That what God brings me in this hard moment is better. How am I gonna get through it? I don't know, but God will be there because as we see what happens when the three Hebrew boys look at King Nebuchadnezzar and tell him this to his face, the king got so furious, he turns up the furnace seven times hotter and he binds, he has his strongest men bind the boys, strap them down, and eventually throws them into the furnace. The furnace is so hot, we know if you continue to read the story, that some of King Nebuchadnezzar's men die as they throw them into this furnace. And in verse 24 and 25 says this, but suddenly, as these guys are thrown into the furnace for having strong convictions and courageous convictions and, con and courageous confessions that Jesus is Lord of all, we will not worship anyone but God. It says, as they're thrown in the fire, but suddenly in verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar jumps up in amazement and exclaims to his advisors, didn't we tie up how many? Three, three men. Didn't we tie up three men? Didn't we throw those three guys into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, he shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire. What's that word? Unharmed. Unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Didn't we grab three guys? Didn't we bind three guys? Didn't we throw in three guys? Whoa, whoa, hold up now. I see, I see four guys here. And, and, and not only do I just see four guys just there in the, fi in the fire, but they're unbound, they're walking around, and they're unharmed. This is not the New Testament. This isn't the book of Acts. This is the Old Testament. This is a huge moment right here because this is what they would call a theophany. Theologians would call a theophany. A, the a theophany is a pre-incarnate Jesus, meaning that Jesus, of course, doesn't show up until the New Testament, but this would be G when Jesus shows up in person in the Old Testament. There's a couple times in Scripture, not many of them in the Old Testament, where Jesus does this. And what looks like a test turns out to be a divine encounter. What looks like a test and turns out to be a divine encounter. Now I want y'all to hear me very closely. God has never promised you a pain-free life. He's only promised you a present-filled life. He's never promised you a pain-free life. He's only promised that his presence would be with you. That is the only thing that God has always promised. He didn't say you wouldn't go through the hard times. Actually, he said we would go through the hard times. He said, but take courage. I will be with you in the moment. And I don't know about you, but I would rather go through the fires of hell with the presence of God on my life than to be living a life of comfort without God. 
I want God in my life. I want the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And if that means I've got to go through the fire for me to experience the presence of God, I'd rather do that than to live a life of comfort and ease and convenience without him. True hell is without God. You can live a life of comfort and, and ease, but if you don't have God, you're actually living in hell. And here we are in this moment. God meets them in this moment. God shows up in this moment. I want you to notice these words because these words are in here for a moment or, or for a reason. Because sometimes God delivers us from the fire, which is what we all ask. But can I just be very blunt with you? Most of the time, God delivers you in the fire. Meaning that God doesn't pull you out of the fire. God just chooses to step in with it right with you. That's most of the Christian life, by the way. If your expectation is only that he will deliver you from, you will be very frustrated because you'll be missing God. Because most of the time, God is there in the fire with you. And this word says, this word says that they went in bound. And notice that that scripture says that when he looked in there and he saw the four men, he saw four of them, they were unbound, walking around in the fire, unbound. They were unharmed. If you read other verses, it says they were unharmed. Their hairs weren't even singed. Their robes and their clothes weren't even burned. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke, but something actually did burn. Because the Bible says they went in bound, but come on now, they came out unbound. As they were even in the fire, they were unbound. The fire burned the thing which bound them. Why is this relevant? Because some of us are facing fires right now, and you're begging God to end the season that you're in. You're begging God to end the season of hurt and the season of pain. But perhaps the very thing you're asking God to remove from you is the very thing that God is using to deliver you. It's the very thing that God is using to break things off of you. Maybe you went into the fire and you were bound to materialism and God has been stripping away materialism from you. Maybe you've gone into the fire with this fear of man, but now God is, is burning off the fear of man so you would have the fear of God in your life. God is doing a deep work. and Usually his greatest work that he does is in the fire. I became more like Jesus, not when life was good, but when life was rough. When I've been in the fire of life, these are the things that God has begun to burn away in our lives. Burns away pride and arrogance and selfishness. He burns these things off of us. And in Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 and verse 30, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, when he called them out and recognized, watch this, and recognized that they didn't even have the smell of smoke. Come on, how many know God is with you when you can walk through the fire and come out on the other side and you still don't smell like what you came out of? That whatever you came out of, that God can protect you, that God can guard your heart, that God can guard your mind, that even God so much loves you, he can guard your clothes. Like he takes care of you, he provides for you in the midst of this. And as he comes out, and these three guys come out, says the Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach and of Meshach and Abednego. And he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. Well, we know it wasn't just an angel, it was Jesus. And they defied the king's commands. And they were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. 
Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. They got promoted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if you feel like you're in the fiery moment in your, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your life, in your heart. But if we're going to have a furnace faith, we're going to have a faith that stands in the midst of the hardship, then we're going to have to have courageous conviction. Who is God to you? Who is God? Who is he to you? Is he your Lord, your Savior? Is, is, if he says it's done this way, do you say, yes, God, I submit to that way? That's the way. I'm not going to bow down to culture. I'm not going to bow down to what the majority are doing. I don't care if everybody else is doing. If it means I've got to stand up for what's right, I'll stand up for what's right, even if that means I lose a job, even if that means I lose friends, even if that means I, I lose things. God, listen, because I know this, no matter what I lose, you're better. You're better. God, give us the ability to have strong convictions, strong confessions, a strong confession. Everybody listen to me closely. The only way you get through storms and fires and hardships is if the word of God and the spirit of God and the joy of God and the truth of God reigns deep on the inside of you that no matter what comes your way, you will stand in the midst of the fire going, God, you're with me. God, you're for me. God, you love me. God, this hurts. God, this is terrible. God, I don't want this. But God, you're better than any of it. I trust you in the midst of it. I believe it. I trust you. God, I believe you can do it. I expect you can do it. But even if you don't, even if you don't, I'll still trust you. I'll still trust you. I want everybody to, to bow your heads in this room. If you're here in this room, this has been a, a, a trying season for you. And if you're honest, there's been, there's been some doubts. There's really just been some doubts. And I know how the enemy works, especially if you're going through a season that seems like you're in a fiery place for a long time. But I believe that God can reveal to you and God can show you who he is. And that he's been with you. The Bible says he's never left us, nor has he ever forsaken us. That in the moment where we felt like he was the furthest, the truth is oftentimes that he's been the closest. And if you've just been going through a season right now, you're going through a time right now, we're just like, I, I, man, I know I need God more than ever. I believe that he can. I expect that he will. But even if he doesn't, I choose to trust him. If that's you that's in this room, you say, that's, that's me, Pastor Josh. I, I know I'm, I'm in that place right now. Would you just shoot your hands up all across this place? I want to know who that is. Who is that in here? Okay. Just right there where you are. Thank you. Keep your hands up. I want you to keep your hands Okay. Right there where you are. Just keep your hands up right there. Holy Spirit, we, we invite you to come into this room. And I, I, I thank you, Lord, that in one moment you can begin to bring courage where there's been no courage. 
You can bring strength where there's been no strength. You can bring joy where there's been sadness. You can bring healing where there's been sickness and pain. Lord, you can bring hope where there's been hopelessness. So Father, right now, fill your people. Fill your people. Spirit of the living God, come in this room. Fill your people today. Encourage your people today. God, we submit to you. Lord, give us eyes to see you in the midst. Give us eyes to see. God, help us to see how you've been walking with us. Lord, how you've been standing with us. How you've been speaking to us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your people today. Strengthen them in this moment. Lord, help us to see where you are and where you've been. God, give us courage. Give us courage. Give us strength. God, I thank you, Lord, that that the greatest testing is the testing of our faith, that we would stand strong, as 1 Peter said. God, may we stand strong in faith, knowing that you're here, that you're with us, that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us. You've given us your word that is an anchor and a lamp unto our feet. You've given us your spirit that fills us from the inside out. Lord, that we are spirit-filled people. That, 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 that the power of the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead raises up, us up in this moment, encourages us and strengthens us and gives us the, the fight that we need to continue to stand and not to bow. God, I pray for those in this room right now, Lord, that you've been calling them to take a step. And God, maybe this is a perhaps moment. They don't have the 100% guarantee, but perhaps you're with them. Perhaps you're calling them to do it. Perhaps you're telling them to step. Give them the courage to step. God, give them the courage to walk. Give them the courage to to trust. God, we trust you. We We rely on you. Lord, we believe in you. And we need you today. In Jesus' name. Come on, and all God's people said. Come on, would you stand with us?